International Broadcasting lives on 5085. The big one. WTWW. Please stand by as we get ready to launch another episode of this Reality Radio Cafe Cast with your host and my husband, Denny J, K5DCC. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. Ignition, lift off. Now grab your glass and get ready to fill it up with some radio on the rocks. Vehicles pitching downrange. Good morning, everybody. Denny J here in the Digicom Cafe. Grab a chair, pull up to the table. It is Wednesday, April 7th, 2021, and we're just uh just getting things going here, waiting for our co-host to show up here and some guests. It is a cloudy day today with some threat of severe weather. So we'll be watching uh, watching the skies, watching the radar, and being prepared as amateur radio operators to report any severe weather. And there he is, right on time. Good morning there, Jim. How are you? Good morning. And good morning, Daniel. He's also in here. Good morning, Daniel. How are you this afternoon? Good morning, Professor Jim and Denny from South Africa. Good morning. <laughs> I love that voice. <laughs> well, Jim, what have you been up to? I haven't talked to you since yesterday morning. Yes, I've been trying to get my computer that I built circa night, oh, 2004 or five running. It had been running Linux and... Uh, it uh, it wouldn't boot. So I corresponded with Andre several times yesterday. And uh, I was going to try and convert it into a Windows computer. And finally, he thought that I should change the battery in my uh, backing up my BIOS, which is a good idea since I hadn't ch ever changed it. And it was probably 20 years old. And I happened to have a battery, so I put that in there. Oh, my. And that seemed to stop the... Uh, it, formally, I'd poke the power button, and it would run for about two seconds and cut off. Well, now it would run all the time. So that battery did something, except I've lost the video feed or the... Uh, you know, I, I can't see anything anymore. So I might have screwed up the video output. And now I'm I'm still dead in the water. I don't have a working don't have a working Windows computer. Huh. So that's that's what I was dealing with all day Bummer. yesterday. Well what I was doing was what you accomplished uh, the day before and that was trying to get dude started to run on my Mac and so did uh, you thank you for sending it? that short instruction page but <laughs> no I didn't I did not I'm still uh, struggling with it you know now it, it requires uh, QMake so I've been installing and upgrading and teach me so, Mr. Professor I want to be your student so, today how did you get that to work do you have brew b-r-e-w installed on your Mac yes 
in fact, I'm also updating it as we speak, but okay, it's still working. So I've updated that. I've installed QT and QT5. Yeah. But uh, I'm kind of lost beyond that. I'm not a, a C programmer. You can like this experience. Well, and do you have a command line? There, there's you also have to install command line stuff for uh, Xcode because Xcode is actually yeah. doing the compiling. Yeah, we got the tools. Okay, so right. Then it's just a matter of um, going to um, the folder with all the code that you download from GitHub and running the commands, and then when that's all done, you'll actually you'll actually find the program in that folder and you can just move it to your application. I don't folder. think, I guess I'm not familiar with the, I'm seeing things like uh, QMake and then make. Yeah. What was, what were the actual commands you gave once you were in that folder? I think it was QMake and make. What it, you know, that, what, uh, let me do a little more searching because the uh, I found more information in the discussion of a particular web page. Now I sent you the link to uh, one source, but I found a little bit more detail in the discussion of another page. And unfortunately, I didn't bookmark that page, and I tried to find it but couldn't find it. So I'll keep looking. <clears throat> that might, yeah, that that might be a little more instructive but if you're yeah it's uh so once you get once you get all the right software it sounds like it's supposed to be pretty easy right well yeah you just run a couple of commands and the and the 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 program appears in the in in the folder of your source code now what i did the easy way to change a long path in, in terminal window is just put in cd space and then drag the folder from your your regular desktop interface into the yeah. terminal window, and that writes the path. And then you just hit enter, and you're in that folder. Yeah, pretty cool. So I'll keep looking. All righty. Well, that'll be my project for today. I want to get it running on my Mac, too. And uh, here's a tip uh, that I learned yesterday as I was going to get this thing to work. I have a thumb DV. Do you know what that is? It's, it's a little USB stick. I shared that picture. We must be having latency issues today, I think. There's a bit of delay. I think it's uh, giving us some issues. But anyway, the thumb DV plugs into your USB port. It's the hardware transcoder for dual modes. And if you remember looking at the top of your settings, there's a, a dropdown for the vocoder. It defaults to software. And this is where we run into the problems that uh, Logan was telling us about. Don't use this software vocoder on DSTAR. They'll kick you out because it sounds horrible. You can't really transcode DSTAR very well with software. So you need the hardware. So you plug in your uh, thumb DV into the USB port, and it comes up as uh, the COM FTEI USB serial port, and uh, it does work. You can see the light flickering in it, which uh, is an indicator that the data is put. There's a little red LED that flickers as the data is passing through. So you have to go into your your uh, 
control panel, your your uh, devices, you look for the ports and you find that device and double click on the port on that item and you have to change the uh, baud rate from, I think the default on mine was 19200. Change that to 460800. That's a really rate that this thing requires and, and just like that, it worked great. So I'm using DudeStar now on all digital modes using my thumb DV on my Windows machine. So you already had a And it's working DV. beautifully. I made a sterile contacts yesterday. Yeah, you I've had it for uh, several years now. In fact, you can use it with David David's uh, software. He's got one uh, called Blue DV that does the much same thing, a little quite a bit different interface, but it doesn't do everything like DudeStar does. So there's another thing to put on your list. No, I'm not, I'm not going to get that because I've got a I've got a hotspot. Why do I need that? <laughs> well, and you besides do seventeen the, in your hotspot. Besides that, it's out of stock. If you go to that link, oh, you, you saw that. So you're looking. <laughs> <laughs> so in this is uh, this delay is killing us here. I need to do a speed test here and see what the issue is. Bob Heavenstrike. Just Let's see here. Let's go down to Bob Heavenstrike is raising uh, his hand. hand. There you go, Bob. Speak up. Yeah, good, mor good morning. <clears throat> so you got a delay there somewhere, huh? Yeah, it's causing us to double overshare all the time. I'm checking my speed test here, see what my latency, what my ping is here. I some, people, high. some people might think that we have a delay of brain processing. Right now, my ping is 1,043. 1,600. Good grief. Well, Jim, I'm going to let you... Uh, Take over, take the wheel, lead the discussion for a bit. Oh, my goodness, now my ping is 2,200. I'm going to reset my uh, my router and everything here, so hopefully it'll improve it. But if you would, pick it up and run with it until I get back. Okay, so Denny's rebooting. Bob, how are you this morning? Well, pretty good. Uh, I guess everybody got their stimulus money. I just got mine today. But I'm already got. I gotta have to fix my well. I've got a 400 foot deep well out here, and the submergible pump went out on it. So I'll probably have to rebuild the whole thing with a pressure tank and the whole nine yards. So that'll probably use up most of my stimulus money. I think. <laughs> isn't that, isn't that the case? These unexpected expenditures always pop up in. You plan what you're going to do with money you have coming in, and then life happens. The furnace goes out in the middle of the winter, or the air conditioner goes out in the middle of the summer, or something, oh, or the car needs repair. Something always happens. Yep, yep, that's the way it goes. But anyway, it's, uh, well, let's see, the weather here is uh, kind of cloudy and a little windy. I think we're on the edge of a kind of a front it's a little bit west of us i think northwest of us maybe but it's, it's still uh the temperature's nice it's i think upper 60s almost 70 out there right now i think where where are you located i'm only a few miles from denny here in uh, northern arkansas oh okay 
Uh, he's about, I don't know, what, 10 or 15 miles away from me, I think. I'm just checking the weather here. Let's see. It looks like it's going to be... The high is uh, 77 at 4 o'clock this afternoon. It looks like it's cloudy. And tomorrow I'm scheduled for a morning hike. And it looks like 80% chance of rain tomorrow. So maybe I won't do that hike. Daniel, what, what's the weather in South Africa? Well, the high, to, hi Bob, I forget my manners. There at the moment is looking pretty cloudy. Uh, hardly a breeze, yeah, it's very calm. And uh, the sun's trying to make an appearance. Otherwise, uh, temperatures, um, it must be in the, uh, let me just check, it must be in, in the low 30s uh, Celsius, Jim, uh, 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 over. Yep, I, <coughs> I almost can mentally convert to Celsius because, <laughs> because uh, uh, I remember that uh, 20 Celsius is 68 Fahrenheit because that is uh, uh, proper temperature for developing film in the old days when we used to develop film. And uh, almost everybody's shooting digital now except uh I still occasionally shoot film. I actually uh, hooked up a sink in my basement just to process film. Um, maybe I'm just getting nostalgic for the old days. Well, Denny's back now. Yes, so I'm back. I'm on my phone now, just using the LTE network, and it's much better here. I'm resetting my router and my computer, and I'm out in the kitchen. Probably hear a little echo. My wife has just poured me a cup of coffee. Good morning, Jim. Would you say hello to the uh, listeners? Good morning. <laughs> Such a soft voice. <laughs> what are you guys uh, talking about? What did I miss? Uh, we we traded weather reports. Uh, Bob has got well problems. That is water well problems not health will problems <laughs> and uh so we've been just chit-chatting waiting for the master to rejoin us oh who is that <laughs> well i just came outside it is a uh, balmy morning isn't it bob yeah yeah that's what i was saying there danny we're what about 15 miles apart by the crow flies or yeah something uh, but yeah it's kind of well, I was saying, I think we're kind of on the edge of a front, maybe, what is about a little ways northwest of us, or? Yeah, sounds like it's going to fall right along the Highway 65 line, so, and and east, so that's us. Yeah. So, it's, I'm seeing 65 degrees here, and it is kind of humid, feels like we could be getting some storms. There's some truck going down the highway. Are, are the background noises coming through quite loudly here? Well, of course... I wouldn't be able to tell. <laughs> oh, look at this. I'm going to share a picture of our cats. They're, they're sitting here on the, the old office chair I told you about that we placed. How many, like, cat, how many cats do you have? We have four. Oh, now they're moving. Ah, bummer. They, two of them were laying, uh, spooning together, and the one had his paw over the other. And they're getting down, but they're 
they're finding this old office chair of mine very comfortable. I've left it out here on the front porch, and they like sleeping in it, usually one at a time. But this time, two of them were cuddled back to stomach, just spooned, and the one in the back was had his paw over the over the side of the other one. <laughs> so cute. So here's a question for you, which comes from a variety of news articles I've read over the years about people that had oh anywhere from 80 to 100 cats in their house so the the question is how many cats are too many cats how many cats are too many cats there's got to be a joke answer to this <laughs> no i'm this is uh some of these cases get to court and judges have to decide how many cats are too many cats andre just joined us he would know he's a cat lover Andre, how many cats are too many cats? It probably depends on the square surfaces of the house. Or... <laughs> <laughs> oh my! I think there's something like mm, ten feet per cat, or something. The idea is they have to have enough space for each other. When when I was in in school, I had a friend who had a cat who was free roaming at night. That is, he just would roam the neighborhood. And my friend would wake up to see a variety of mouse tails, only the tails, uh, on his pillow. The cat would... Uh, just be so proud of his nightly catch, he would leave the tails on the pillow of his owner just as a, a mark of, look at me, how successful I've been in my hunting tonight. Yeah, but if I respect what the ASPCA says, you have to allow 18 square feet of space per cat. 80 and square feet. feet 18. Eight, per eight, one eight. One eight per cat. The most important thing for a cat is zoning. So more cats in a house mean more space for the cat, so they have their own zone. Well, I've, I've always been uh, a user of data, so I'm happy to have that, that data. Though we have, we have two dogs and a parrot in our house. We don't have any cats. So it's 18 square feet per dog, probably, as well. Wow. I just sent a couple pictures here in the chat group of two of our four cats. I think four is plenty, and they're not inside cats. So ours will do their uh, catching of mice and deposit the residue on our front door mat. And it's not usually the tail that's left. It's usually the portion of the guts. And we don't know it sometimes, and we'll go out and step right on it. That's not a good. That's not a good feeling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So how big well, I, are, are your dogs, by the way? Because in Canada, it depends on how big the dog is. If he's under three kilograms, between three and ten kilograms, and over ten kilograms. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Andre, I was. Uh, How's the video scene layout coming along? Is it going to be beautiful? Well, I think we can do a round through on Friday and do a recording. 
because I right. have all of the scenes set up now. Very good. And uh, so. all of you listeners out there, this is our producer. This is Andre. Mm -hmm. He's over in Romania, and he's going to be uh, handling all of our video podcast, which will start out at least once a week, right? Or is this what, what it's always going to be? We'll see, depending on how it goes with the people. If the people want more, we'll give them more. Why not? Oh, wow. Yeah, make sure you make sure you put a Patreon thing there for you for your effort. <laughs> no, we're probably gonna use the Twitch. I think Twitch had something for ah, they have bits now. I remember. Yeah. Okay. And as I said, to me it's fun because I remember how to use some of the software. So yeah, that's enough for me. You add it to your resume. Yeah. One yeah. more thing to add to the resume. <laughs> yeah. Well, how about the uh, what if question of the day there, Mr. Brown? Well, Professor Brown? Well, let me uh, bring that up on my computer. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. This involves a Supreme Court decision decided this Monday that has technological impact and the case was Google v Oracle America and this concerned Google's reliance on aspects of Java a programming language in its Android operating system <laughs> uh, Oracle acquired Java in 2010 uh, when it bought Sun Microsystems, the company that invented Java, and said that using parts of Java without permission amounted to copyright infringement. But Google used a small piece of Java in doing APIs, that's Alpha Papa India, uh, which are commonly used for computer interfaces that allow uh, other people to innovate uh, and use the APIs to access the operating system. And so th this concerns a lot of innovation. And, uh, of course, uh, Oracle and Google don't like one another. But the Supreme Court sided with Google um, over software used to run most of the world's smartphones. And it was a six to two ruling, which resolved what Google had called the copyright case of the decade. And it spared the company from having to face claims from Oracle for billions of dollars in damages. So, the question is, what if, in this case, the Supreme Court just uh, uh, went with Google, not Oracle. But what if the Supreme Court had gone the other way? What if uh, the Supreme Court had decided that a small use of Java, as Google was using it, was indeed copyright infringement. How would that impact impact our technological world? 
That's the question. I think I could answer that because I've heard the Java story around the enterprise ecosystem for a while. So my own opinion is that Sun Microsystems tries to smooth out as much as they can from the products that they own. And we're talking about Oracle DB and Java because they brought Sun Microsystems. So they try to smooth out whatever they can from Java now. Well, I had the same issue with some software that one of the companies that I work for created, and it was the exact same situation. The software was only used to run the application. So it was the GRE, not the JDK. And Java was asking some for each appliance having that software on it that run on Java to be paid to Sun Microsystems. It was a medium-ish price. So in my opinion, if there wasn't Java, somebody would create an open version of it. And as it is, there's like three or four now. It's open JDK, adopt JDK. I mean, uh, Amazon has their own spin on Java. There's like three or four of them. So if there weren't, wasn't Java, somebody would create something like it. But I don't like the way that Sun Microsystems was bought by Oracle and is being used to squeeze out profit from something that was there at least 10 years before and nobody asked for money for it. And if you look at the percentages, there's still a lot of software that runs or needs Java to run. Yeah, that's a very good summary. Yeah, I, I kind of hate them. I really hate them for what they did to Java. The open versions are okay, but they're not Java. They missed some of the code, as you can imagine. To be clear, you hate you hate what uh, Oracle did to Java or what Google is using Java for? No, no. I agree with the way that Google and other companies are using Java for because it's a good language for a lot of stuff. But I don't yeah. like the way that I've seen other companies. I've seen IBM by Red Hat. I've seen Red Hat by... What did Red Hat by... Uh, they bought something as well, but they didn't try to smooth out as much profit from it as they could. Oracle, the second day that they bought Sun Microsystems, they probably went into an office and they were like, where can we squeeze some money out of? Hmm? Yes. I mean, they killed the Spark processor. They killed a lot of jobs. Yeah, I mean, there's some things that... They were good the way they were. And Oracle has a tendency of what they buy to kind of squeeze money out of. If you look at the database licensing, you'll understand my point of view. Yeah. Well, I think uh, uh, Ellison, who is uh, the head of Oracle, he needs the money to compete in these fancy saleable races around the world. 
just <laughs> he he is one that competes in these sail you know these high end sailboat races in which the the boats cost millions and millions of dollars. Yeah, so, but still, you don't get rid of people because you need money for your own. Yes, well, fancy yeah. boats. You're exactly right. I, and probably that's one of the issues that uh, Oracle isn't in the top 20 IT companies. And IBM is, and so on. I haven't seen them anywhere in the lineup. I mean, even, not even after 10th place. So... So in the U in the U.S., the copyright law has four major factors: the the purpose and character of your use of the of the work, whatever the work is, a photograph, a, a uh, in in this case, computer code, uh, the nature of the copyrighted work, the amount of the work taken. In this case. Google took a very small amount uh, and the effect on the potential market. That is, does it affect the income of the copyright owner? But this gets tortured uh, in the court cases. And, you know, it, sometimes it's hard to make sense. Um, a sculptor did a sculpture out from wood based on a photograph and the photographer sued for copyright infringement and the defendant claimed that photographers never intend to make a sculpture but in that case the court decided it was copyright infringement just because the photographer uh, did not intend to make a sculpture when he made the photograph <clears throat> does not mean he would never make a sculpture using that photograph. So <clears throat> some of these court cases have somewhat tortured logic. And after all, law is what the courts decide, what the juries decide if it's a jury case. Yeah, but sometimes laws are made for some people and they don't... Uh, um, adhere to other people, let's say, because I was looking just out of curiosity what kind of licensing they use for the Java. So you can get an idea how money-hungry and driven they are. They have their own type of license agreement. It's called an ONT license agreement, which means Oracle Technology Network License Agreement, which means at any time the board members can change the licensing. If they would use something like, I don't know, Apache, uh, some kind of limited license that's open source, they wouldn't have that much access to change the license. They could change their licensing agreement overnight. I could, if I would be the president of Oracle, I just could call somebody up. I just add this line to the license. Your soul is also ours by accepting this license. Because they can't do that once they have their own type of licensing agreement. 
It's like you'd have your own Jim Brown licensing agreement. That means you are the one that holds all the rights to changing that. Yep. Oh, I like that idea. <laughs> you know, some of the companies have really weird and creepy ways of licensing stuff. And this is I, one of them. I've always been curious that software is going way back from when software was first invented. Uh, the the buyer of the software doesn't own it. You know, it's just the use of it. It depends on the licensing. There's some licensing that says you are permitted to change the code or resell the code by changing it. But again, it depends on the licensing. And yeah, that kind of licensing has been here from the 90s. Yep. And it mostly adheres to open source related software. There's some kind of open source software that, I don't know, let's take a video card driver. A video card driver would have some proprietary stuff and some open source stuff and so on and so forth. Or, I don't know, I make a photography editing suite and I let you edit the, that suite, but you can't edit filters or layers because I have some special mojo that I do to them and it doesn't rip apart your computer when having more than 100 and so on. But yeah, yeah. some of the licensing scheme, people think so. Uh, there's a weird paradigm now. People think uh, you can do anything with open source software, but people don't think that they have to give back to open source software. So we've gone from Oh, I'm not going to use paid software. I'm going to use open source software to, I'm going to use open source software, but I'm never going to go and give back to them. Which you know, Dudestar of... is a good example of that. That's open source. And he says, have at it, do what you want, modify it. But uh, I'm not going to give you any support because I'm busy. I'm busy writing software and building engines and stuff like that. Yeah. So. There's people that no, do that. I mean, yeah. they put the software there. If you have a valid issue and, I don't know, you submit it on GitHub and say, this breaks something, but it doesn't break it only for you. And you already read the manual, look at the looked at the code and so on. Because there are people that go, ah, this doesn't work, fix it. Yeah, right. Yeah, here's and the about okay. section on Dudestar. It says, this program is free software. You can redistribute it and or modify it under the terms of the GNU General Public License as published by the Free Software Foundation, version 2. This program is distributed in the hope that it will be useful, but without any warranty, without even the implied warranty of merchantability or fitness for a particular purpose. See the GNU General Purpose License for more details so what i would advise you guys because you guys use uh, use open software at some point either give a coffee or a beer or open an issue help fix an issue yeah. that's how open source software goes a long way and yeah. there's hundreds of examples that 
have gone from nothing to a buzzword just because of community interaction and community giving their blood, sweat, and tears to help that software. Yeah. Unfortunately, the ham radio community is uh, generally pretty cheap. They like stuff that's free, but they don't want to pay for it. But then when it's not working right, they complain and uh, and say, fix this. I want this feature. I want this feature. But we're not willing to support them. You're absolutely right. We need to support these folks with a little uh, tip or send them a check or something. They, they appreciate it. It keeps them going. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of people. I have, I have uh, offered support in the past. And we also have... Offered our family has offered support to the Electronic Freedom Foundation, uh, which files court cases that are. Um, this is this is a favorite uh, to support uh, freedom of, of expression and so forth. So, mm-hmm. uh, oh my. this uh, this it's phone service that I have to this visible which is owned by Verizon is another example of uh, you know people want cheap but they still want the top drawer service and speed uh, the visible plan is a, a paired back plan you don't have the ability of walking into a Verizon store and handing them your phone and saying fix this uh, get this set up for me you can't call a number you can't talk to a live person but they do have a website dedicated to it you can chat text chat with a uh, someone there and they will walk you through issues you have uh, the speeds aren't what they would be for the top drawer plan but they're very usable and so uh, I, I find it interesting though people are used to top drawer and they try and get it for as little as possible so now they're they're getting invisible and they're saying well i want someone to talk to well sorry you're not paying for that service you're getting it dirt cheap <laughs> so you can apply this all across the board the same phenomenon of not wanting to pay creators for their work also applies to photographers, artists, and similar professions. Absolutely. Photographers have thousands of dollars worth of equipment, and yet publications want to uh, publish the pictures for free just for, we're helping you get exposed to the market. Well, okay, how do I pay the bills? You know, so right, right. The same thing is true yeah. as an as an educator. I fought for people having paid internships for students, but there are publications in my town that wouldn't even offer gas money to the student interns they had, and they they wanted the students to work an entire semester for free and wow. use their car to go on assignments. And uh, it's just awful. The intern thing happens in IT as well. Yeah, in some places that's pretty right. In some places, they're the people that do the grunt work. And that's yep. it. Yeah. How's the coffee? I hear somebody swallowing. <laughs> you can oh, hear me so swallow? Good. That's me. I've got, I've got good hearing. Here's, here's me swallowing. <laughs> that that, that had a little gargle in it. I'm having uh, uh, every morning. I have coffee americano. 
two shots of espresso Ooh. and I roast my own coffee coffee beans from green beans. Really? And I I oh yes. To, that is the very best way to make coffee. Green uh, beans. Green mm. beans. So you can open up a can of green beans and roast them for coffee, huh? Well, they don't come in cans. <laughs> they can. But think about it. The unroasted yeah. green beans have a terrific shelf life. They don't go bad. Yeah. And uh, so I started with a hot air popcorn popper, which actually works. You can roast coffee beans in a hot air popcorn popper. But in the process of roasting these coffee beans, there is a very, very thin membrane that sheds. And, of course, it, it blows out the hot air popcorn popper all over your kitchen. <laughs> so, so then there were various specific devices made. Uh, which had a trap for these membranes, so they didn't blow all over the kitchen. And, and I found one of the ones I, I bought probably 40, 50 years ago, and I used it for a while. And finally, the motor, it was a Melita, Melita coffee bean roaster. And it had a very nice trap uh, at the top. And uh, finally, the, the, uh, it just finally burnt out. It wouldn't work anymore. So, for Christmas, my wife got me a, a new coffee bean roaster, and I've been enjoying roasting my own beans. And I, I, wow. I can tell you, you can, you know, when you open a can and the, it's already been ground, uh, you compare that to buying roasted beans and grinding those beans, there's a difference in taste there. But when you roast your own beans and then grind them, there's a definite taste boost there. You can taste the difference. Mm -hmm. So if you Do love you French coffee, press your coffee, I don't French press. I I just give. I put two shots of espresso in my cup with my urethritol crystals <laughs> for sweetener. <laughs> yeah, and uh, then just add don't hot do water. Don't do too much. <laughs> Urethritol, that'll take care of other problems, too. <laughs> well, <laughs> not if you're adapted to it. I suppose. And uh, I never had a problem in the first place. <laughs> okay, we won't go there. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, what, what Denny is skirting around is sometimes <laughs> new users of urethritol crystals for sweetener will sometimes have gastrointestinal distress. Or diarrhea. <laughs> yes. Well, very interesting. Coffee. We've talked about software. We've talked about the weather. We've talked about Dude Star. I'll tell you what, I really like this Dude Star program. Have you uh, messed with it at all lately? Or you've been too busy with everything else. I've been too busy trying to get. Andre's been trying to help me get my window old old computer going, and uh, 
I made some headway, but uh, Andre, you had me change the battery, the backup battery for the BIOS, which I hadn't even realized there was a battery in there. And <laughs> that battery hadn't been changed in probably 20 years, close to 20 years. So I changed it and that stopped the aborted boots and, and the computer runs now without without turning off except I no longer have any video output so I probably can boot to BIOS but I can't see the BIOS on the on the uh, monitor screen so that's my latest problem can you imagine ham radio without computers man has it changed over the last couple of decades well or everything anything. we was tied can you, to computers. Can you imagine photography without computers? It's impossible. Yeah. Right, right. Very useful tool and has changed the world. And they just keep getting smaller and smaller and smaller. Now your phone is basically a high-powered computer compared to what we used to have. <laughs> My wife has an Apple Watch, which she refers to oh, yeah. as her, her Dick Tracy watch. Remember back exactly. in the... You know, yep. What 40, 50 years ago, the Dick Tracy cartoon and Dick Tracy had uh, a super uh, watch that would do, do yep. almost anything. And now it's this real. Is Joe, this is Joe Jitsu calling Dick Tracy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. Well, anyway, this uh, this dude star is uh, it's working phenomenally well now that I've got it. Uh, Working with my thumb DV, audio quality sounds much better. Transcoding is better. And I can do D-Star. And I have to apologize for that earlier outburst. All of a sudden, my uh, computer connected to the network, and it automatically brought up Zello, which had a conversation going there on the ZMR channel. So, And I didn't realize my mic was unmuted. So didn't mean to interrupt your conversation there with that background noise. Well, we... We learned to tune out your noise. <laughs> you know, I would, I would be better off just having you guys uh, run the show here, and I'll just listen in the background like Bob and Daniel. <laughs> you do a great, great job. I should be your co-host. That's way too much. That's way too much pressure. <laughs> oh, well, this is fun. I'm enjoying this, and I guess we're getting pretty close to the end of the hour here. Um. Looking forward to Friday with uh, Andre as our producer, leading our uh, helping put together our first video cafe cast. I think it's going to be uh, a lot of fun. And of course, I'm going to have to get up early and shower and shave and comb my hair, brush my teeth, and look presentable like Jim. He's always presentable. Well, I try to be. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're used to being up in front of people all the time. I am. Any uh, final words of wisdom from uh, anybody before we shut this thing down and move on with our day? Daniel, how's it going over there? Oh, I am just listening with great interest. Uh, you guys carry on. Well, tell me, what did you learn today? What did I learn? Well, I heard something about Google and Oracle, which I have the cooking clue what it's worth. <laughs> okay. Bob, did you learn anything new today? Yeah, I, I think there's a you need 18 square feet for a cat. Is that it? Or? 
Oh my! Everybody's going to come away from these things with something unique and special that they've learned, and hopefully, we'll take and apply it to their daily lives. <laughs> and, and the question and, of the uh, the question of the day got Andre going. That's for sure. Yeah, well, I'm glad he was in here because I missed most of that with my uh, dropouts and phone crashes and computer hiccups. And this is, uh, well, I hope, no indication of how my day is going to go. <laughs> we have these days once in a while, you know. So, 73, guys, uh, have a blessed day, and uh, we'll do this again tomorrow morning. Thanks uh, to our audience for following us. I see the numbers uh, keep going up a little bit, and... Uh, uh, feel free to drop in anytime at k5dcc.com. That'll take you right into our Telegram channel. And up at the top, you'll see this join button. You can join our our cafe cast live here in our voice chat. And who knows, maybe you'll get to be on the air too and share some of your words of wisdom. We'd love to hear from you. Anyway, 73 guys, thank you very much. 73. 73 from South Africa. 73. Have a good day. Hi, this is Extra Class Amateur Radio Operator, K5DCC. I just upgraded to my Extra Class last year. You know how I did it? I used HamTest Online. Did you know that HamTest Online is the top-rated study program on eham.net? 97% of reviewers gave them 5 stars. They have more 5-star user reviews than all other study methods combined and success is guaranteed. If you fail the amateur radio license exam, they will refund your subscription. It's a no-brainer. You pass the exam or get a full refund. Try it for yourself at hamtestonline.com. Hello, cafeers. Denny J. here in the beautiful Ozarks of Northwest Arkansas out in the country 25 miles from any large city out here in the country we struggle to get good internet maybe you have the same problem if you live in a rural area you don't have many options it's either satellite or dsl or cellular and believe me we've tried them all just recently i was more than happy to pay the penalty to get out of our satellite service latency was horrible and for amateur radio communications the delays were up to five seconds, and uh, you probably experienced what that's like. Our DSL service was also very unreliable. We rarely got the speeds that we were promised, and it kept dropping out. But now I think I found a service that we're going to love. It's called Visible.com. It's a company that's owned by Verizon and kind of a pared back service, but works beautifully for my situation here out in the country on 15 acres. Visible.com offers only one plan. It's unlimited everything. Unlimited calls, text, and internet at slightly slower speeds than their top drawer plan at Verizon. But it does use the Verizon network. Go to Visible.com and use my referral code 3 November 37 November Tango. Also to get your $40 a month bill reduced to 25, you need to be part of a party pay group. You can join me in our Digicom Cafe party. You will find the link to these things down in the show notes here, along with links to our Digicom Cafe community portal, which is a Facebook alternative. Also our Telegram community where we have text and voice chat and also our live cafe cast here in the Digicom Cafe. So get your line at visible.com.
www.thebuildingbusinessclub.com. And again, use my referral code and join our party to get that bill down to $25 a month. Thank you for listening to this radio on the Rocks Cafe cast. We invite you to join our Mighty Networks amateur radio community at members.digicomcafe.com.